My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. And we are starting a brand new message series today called Abounding Hope. Abounding Hope. And, you know, in the world today, we have so much need for hope, don't we? There's so many areas we could look at and say, oh, life feels maybe even hopeless. Hopeless. Not a word that we like. It, and maybe, though, for you, you come here and you, you see the words abounding hope and you hear the word hopeless and you say, I think I'm more over here today at least. I'm, I'm struggling and abounding hope seems awful cheery for me today. How can you, how can you have that? What, is that? what does that look like? Maybe for, for you, you, you come and it's a, a joyful time here, but on the inside you're hurting and you say, gosh, I, I feel like a, an Eeyore in the world full of tiggers, right? Everybody's bouncing around and happy and hopeful and all this stuff, and I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And you know, sometimes in, in our world, even hope itself has gotten a bad rap. And you say, well, who's, who's against hope, right? What kind of person would be anti-hope? Well, let me introduce you. This is a German philosopher and uh, least kissable man who ever lived, Friedrich uh, Nietzsche. And Friedrich said it this way. He said, hope is the worst of all evils. Think about that. Hope is the worst of all evils, he says, for it prolongs the torment of people. I bet he was really fun at parties, don't you think? <laughs> I hate hope, right? It's a terrible thing, right? It prolongs torment. Well, why would somebody say that? Well, actually, if you know a little bit about Friedrich, you'd know that he's, he was an atheist, a very famous one. He believed that there's not a God, and so that means this world is all you get. This is it. And so what you see here today is what you get, the injustices, the pains, the sufferings, all the wrongs. And you kind of understand a little more about why he says hope is the worst of all evil. It prolongs our torment because we get our hopes up for certain things that don't necessarily work out. And if all there is is this world, well, hopeless starts to make a little bit more sense. And clearly, as followers of Jesus, we believe that there is reason for hope. In fact, abounding hope. A great hope, a hope that is bigger than this world and its pains and difficulties. Because the fact is, we all need hope. We do. It's an essential part of being human. And so today, as we kind of kick off this series, I want to talk about two kind of dangers, dangerous positions when it comes to hope. The first hope danger would be the extreme we heard in Friedrich, and that is abandoning all hope. You know, just forget it. Hope's not a good thing, at least for me in my life. Other people might be able to have hope, but my life stinks. I can't have hope. It's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Maybe you look at all the garbage going on in the world, or you look at all the pains in your life, or things that others don't even know. And you say, John, if you really knew, you'd understand why I don't have much hope anymore. And you come here, and you see this abounding hope title, right? You're like, ah, that's a bunch of baloney, man. I just, I don't know if that's even possible. I I don't know. I don't know. Hope 
is a desire. No, hope is more than desire. It's an expectation of things to come. An expectation for greater things. Hope refuses to get stuck in the problems of today and instead looks to the possibilities of tomorrow. A great playwright said this, it's amazing how a little tomorrow can make up for a whole lot of yesterday. I believe that. And for some of us, maybe we're stuck in some yesterdays, some pains, some wrongs, some evils, some hurts, some losses. And, and they're real things, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to minimize yesterday, but let us not forget the possibilities of God's tomorrows, of the future. During these next few weeks, we're going to focus on this incredible, abounding hope that we can have in Jesus Christ. And our launch pad for this series is a verse, Romans 15, 13. It says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I like that. In fact, let's read that. Let's read it together. Uh, read it aloud and loudly. Would you read with me? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is our prayer for you during this series, that as we, as we share God's word together, as you read in your Bible reading plans at home, as you talk about it in your life groups, that God would fill you with a hope that is more than just temporal things. You know what it's, notice what it says, by the power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't just say that your life would always be so good and easy that you can't help but hope, right? No, it doesn't say that. It says that this would be a hope that is gifted to you from God, a supernatural hope, a hope that's bigger than the pains of the difficulties of the world. And maybe some of you today are like, yes, I've got that. I, I know it. I'm living in it. I've experienced it for years. Thanks be to God. That's awesome. I'm so thankful. But maybe you're here and you say, I don't even know what you're talking about with that kind of hope. Who is this God of hope. I, uh, I believe in God, I think, but I don't, I don't feel a lot of hope right now. So where's the, where's the disconnect in my life? If that's you and you're here, I want you to know, first of all, you're normal. Those feelings, they're normal. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Try again. Neighbor. <laughs> you're normal. Some of y'all are like, I just told my first lie in church. <laughs> the pastor set me up. This wasn't fair, right? But if you're here and you have feelings like there's not hope or not much hope or you're normal, it's easy to come into a joyful place like this and feel like everybody else in the world has hope except you. Not true. We all go through difficult times pains, losses. Life can be really hard. And sometimes we can feel that hope is just so far, far away. It happens at various stages of life. Maybe when we're younger and all of life is in front of us and everyone should say, you should be full of hope, right? Because you got your whole life in front of you. And you're like, 
oh man, that means if I mess up, I get to mess up my whole life, right? That sounds scary. I don't know if I have hope in that. Or maybe you get to middle age, right? And you say, boy, I had hopes things would be here, and they're kind of here, maybe sometimes there. I look in the mirror, I'm seeing more grays than I would like. What's the hope? Are things just going to get worse and worse? And sometimes in that time we get scared, right? And we trade in the car, right? Or worse, we trade in the spouse or other things that have always meant so much to us because we get lost in hopelessness. There's a better way. There's a better way. As we get older, sometimes we realize that we've got probably more days in the rear view than we have in the windshield in front of us. And it can get scary. We lose friends and loved ones. Maybe you feel alone. Maybe there's fears about the future. You say, is there really? Is there hope? Where's this hope going to come from? You know, I believe that we can experience, experience it. At whatever life stage we're at, I believe we can experience it because I believe in a God of hope, abounding hope. A God that offers us hope. This Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. As we recite that verse over and over in this series, I pray that God would do something in your life, that you would experience a hope maybe that surprises you. Maybe that's, it's like a supernatural hope you receive from God. I, I believe that can happen. And here's the thing, Romans is a powerful book. It's a book of Christian doctrine or teaching, right? That, and in the book of Romans, Paul talks about hope more than any of his other letters. And, and he talks about how we can have this hope, but he doesn't start out in the most hopeful sense. He starts out in a very realistic sense. He talks about where we are as human beings, okay? Because we believe as Christians that God created the world perfect, sinless. He put us here and he gave us a choice. He didn't want robots, he wanted people who love him. So he gave us the choice, are we gonna follow him or not? And of course we chose not. We chose sin. Romans 3.23 says it this way, the wages or the payment of sin is, or excuse me, sorry, for Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Got ahead of myself there. We've all sinned, we've all messed up. And as a result, we got a problem. We're separated from God, right? We have this price for sin that, we, that, that there is because God's perfect, we're not. How do you make that right? Well, we can't make that right. So thus, Romans 6, 23, the wages or payment for sin is death. There's not much hope in that. But the gift of God, here's the hope, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That God offers us a hope because Jesus came and gave his life for you. We're gonna celebrate it when we celebrate communion here in a little bit, that God loves you so much that he gave his son Jesus so that your sin problem, my sin problem, that they could be fixed. I couldn't fix this on my own, but Jesus could. He came and he lived the perfect life. He paid the price that I couldn't pay. His life was given voluntarily as a sacrifice for my sins and yours. And so there's hope. There's hope that this creator God, this creator of the whole universe, that he actually cares about you. 
As Paul says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us. That Jesus loves you so much that he gave his life for you before you could ever say yes to him. He did. That's how much he loves you. If it was only you, he would have done that. He would have given his life for you. And so we have a hope that is bigger than all the pains of this world. A hope in eternity, really, that this world isn't all there is. And later in this message, I'll invite you to start a relationship with Jesus if you never have. We'll, I'll pray, and you, you'll be able to pray right along with me. And today, Jesus wants to come into your life to change you, and he can and he will. You just got to ask him. Because he doesn't force his way into anybody's life. It's a voluntary choice by us. So we don't want to fall into that first danger of abandoning hope because we have hope in Jesus Christ. Hope throughout all of eternity. But there's a second danger of hope I want to talk to you about, and that danger would be to chase a false hope. If we're chasing false hope, that sets us up for disappointment. And, and the hope that I'm offering you today is, is it's a real hope, not a, not a false hope. We, we, we're people of faith as Christians. We believe in an all-powerful God. There's some Christians that teach that if you just have enough faith, that God will give you whatever you ask for, right? And it sounds great, right? It would be incredible marketing. Become a Christian. You can have anything, right? Like, it would be awesome. But the problem is, that's faith in faith. That if my, I have faith, that if my faith is big enough, that I get it. And the fact is, I'm not God. And when I pray, often God says yes grants me exactly what I'm asking for. He wants to do the same for you. He's like a good parent who loves to give good gifts to his children. But sometimes I don't get what I ask for. Sometimes God says no. I don't always even understand why. But I'm not offering you a, a false hope of just a guarantee of an easy life, a guarantee that you always be happy, healthy, wealthy. Like, there'll maybe not. There may be hardships. In fact, if you look at Jesus' disciples, the vast majority of them, they died as martyrs. Their lives were taken violently because of their faith. So to stand here and proclaim that if you just believe in Jesus, that life will always be easy, I can't do that. Wish it were true, but it's not. It's, it's not the hope that we have. It's a different kind of hope. It's said in the military that hope is not a strategy. You can't just hope your problems will go away, right? You know, I could hope that I would get stronger. I could hope that sincerely every day. I'm not gonna get any stronger that way, right? If I wanna get stronger, I gotta go to the gym. I gotta work. That hope is only effective if that hope leads to action, right? And hope, that's one of the best things about hope. It can inspire us to action. A hope that if I actually did this, that possibly there's hope that things could be better, that things could be different. False hope, it doesn't help anyone. Viktor Frankl was a survivor of uh, Nazi prison camps in Germany, most hopeless place you could imagine. And he said this, everything can be taken from a man or we'd add a woman, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, and that's this, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's way. How does a person say that 
when they're being held captive, when they're watching people tortured and slaughtered. How could you possibly say that? Well, Franco watched people in the concentration camp, and he noticed that the people who lived with a sense of hope fared much better than those who did not, a hope that led to action. For example, he saw a group of, of medical doctors there in the camp, who were prisoners in the camp who had been doctors. And they would, some of them were even still writing medical papers together and presenting them to one another in the concentration camp. Why? Because it gave them meaning and purpose. It gave them meaning and purpose that there was a hope in something bigger than just the circumstances they were going through. It wasn't just the evils, the awful things they were seeing. More recent studies have shown that that breast cancer patients who have a hopeful outlook have a, a much higher success rate than those who don't have hope. Hope makes an impact. And again, I'm not talking about false hope. I'm not talking about simple answers for complicated problems. No, I'm talking about a hope that is rooted in our Heavenly Father. Think of it this way. Some folks have a hope that we call a a lottery hope. You know what I mean? Like, I got 50 bucks worth of bills and 10 bucks in my billfold, right? So instead of putting 10 bucks down, I'm going to go buy 10 bucks worth of lottery tickets, and I'm going to hope that I strike it rich, right? I'm going to hope not just for 50 bucks. I'm hoping for 500, 5,000, 5 million, right? Like, let's, let's hope that this will happen. We all know how that hope tends to work out. Mathematically, it's a joke. Your, your odds are so pathetically terrible. Why would anybody play, right? Why? If you look at those odds, it makes no logical sense. Well, that's how desperate we are for hope. That we'll give our hard-earned cash for something with an almost guaranteed rate of failure. That's false hope. And that's not the hope we're talking about. I'm not talking about lottery hope. I'm talking about a better hope. I'm talking about inheritance hope. And inheritance is totally different than the lottery. Yeah, they both end in you getting money that you didn't work for. But it happens very differently. You see, an inheritance is not a game of low chance. No, inheritance is a relationship. That's why you get it. Somebody loves you, trusts you, believes in you so much that they would want to leave part or all of their financial resources that they've earned to you. Or they'd want to leave you something that was special to them, right? And inheritance is not luck. It's not earned. It happens because of relationship. This is what our God offers us. That when we give our lives to Jesus, you are literally, you're adopted into God's family. Like you are now part of the family. And that means as children of God, there's an inheritance waiting for you. Uh, Peter said it this way here, 1 Peter 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, 
or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. There's hope right there. I'm not talking some nonsense lottery. I'm talking an inheritance from an almighty God who loves you, who creates you. And when you enter a relationship with Jesus, he writes you into the will. So there's hope beyond this world. And I don't mean that it takes away all the world's pains. That's, again, false hope. I mean that you've got a different perspective, that when the pains of this world get right in front of your face so it's hard to see anything else, you've got something to push back with, to say, I've got eternity in mind. I know that there's more than just this world. I know there's more than just this pain. I know there's more than just this hardship. I've got eternity in mind because my Father loves me. My Father cares about me. My Father wrote me into the will, and nobody, nobody can take that away from me. I'm not playing some stupid game. I'm trusting in my Father. I'm gonna invite you into that kind of relationship. I'm gonna pray, and you can ask Jesus right now to come into your life, to adopt you into his family. He wants to do that. He does. And, and you can give your life to him. Or maybe for you, you've done that before, but you say, I need, I need a fresh touch of hope. If that's you, ask. Ask the Heavenly Father to give that to you. I'm gonna pray and we'll receive Holy Communion together. It's a powerful moment when we remember Jesus' sacrifice that makes all this possible. And, and then Linda's gonna pray for us some more, that, just that we would experience God's hope. So would you pray with me? Lord, I need you. Every hour, I, I need you. I confess that I, I messed stuff up. I've sinned. And I agree with Romans that I'm hopeless without you, Jesus. So I want to give my life to you. In faith, I want to trust in you. I believe that you are who you said you are, say you are, Jesus. And I ask that you would forgive my sins that you'd come into my heart, that you would heal me of all that is broken, that you'd fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would change my life. 